0: Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. We've been in a series called I Believe, just going through the the elementary foundations of the church that we started, of course, with repentance. Then we went to faith. Then we went to baptisms last week. Who enjoyed that? Amen. Who's grateful for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? He's grateful that you are no longer alone. You are not a lonely person because God is with you. Amen. Jesus. Even, even John, when he was exiled, it says, times are refreshing, come in the presence of the Lord. I guess maybe he was an introvert. I'm not exactly certain. But he found it a great refreshing to be away from people. Amen. <laughs> he ministers to some people like, every time... I'd get away. I feel so much better. I am not that way. I like to be around people all the time. I can basically handle anything as long as there's somebody there with me. But if I'm alone, then I'm like, God, I just can't handle this. Send someone to stand beside me. Thank God for my girls that follow me everywhere. Amen. Amen. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to start this, this, this one. We're talking about the laying on of hands. And I felt to just go through biblically. The, the operations of the laying on of hands. It's the same as like tongues. Many people in the church don't understand. There's different biblical applications of where tongues applies, which is why there's so much misinformation out there about it. Because at the end of the day, many people don't read their Bible, unfortunately. Right. And so you, you got to read the Bible. Amen? Yeah. Thank God for the Word. It's pretty simple once you read it. It lays it out. So I'm going to start with one of the applications in the Word of God for the laying on of hands. Is found first in Numbers chapter 27, verse 16. Now this is Moses that prays, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord might not be like sheep which have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Say, lay your hand on him. him. So Moses is instructed by the Lord to take Joshua and lay his hand upon him and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all of the congregation. So this was a public act in front of everybody. And they inaugurated him in their sight. And it says, and you shall give some of your authority to him. So Moses is instructed to pass on some of his authority to Joshua that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. As things grew for the children of God once they were removed from the bondage of Egypt and were preparing to enter into their promised land, the Lord began to instruct Moses as Moses cried out for the next steps, a young person to pass it on to. And that person was, of course, Joshua, who had a different spirit like Caleb. Amen. I remember those days, me and Joshua were like that. <laughs> God, tough crowd. Okay, anyways, either that or a bad joke. I get it, it's a bad joke. Amen. And so we see here in the Old Testament, going back all the way to Moses, the application of the laying, laying on of hands being used for the commissioning of an office. So one thing you have to grab about the kingdom of God is that it is a culture of honor, the Lord has never, ever forced anybody in this room to do anything, but if you honor the Lord and, and listen to His Word, He opens up doorways in your life and opportunities in your life for you to be obedient to what He asks of you, which in turn turns around to be a blessing back in your life. Amen. And so we see this in Scripture where if you read in, in, in the New Testament, this is where Paul wrote to Timothy, instructing him, Do not lay hands on anybody hastily, nor share in other people's sins, but keep yourself pure. This is found in 1 Timothy 5.22. What Paul is writing is, not: lay, don't lay hands on the sick. Don't, don't pray for people as we see oftentimes in Pentecostal churches where we're laying hands on people you have no idea who they are, but there's a holy thing happening there that we'll talk about. What Paul is talking to Timothy about is do not just pick a random person that seems like they have the right talents, lay hands on them and establish them as someone that leads the church forward. Yes. That you should know the people that you labor among. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Who who agrees with that wisdom from the Lord? You should know those that labor with you. And that's why we're not ever to go into a church and seek things out ahead of time. We're to just serve the Lord with a pure heart. And as God really, as the Bible says, if you humble yourself before the Lord, he will exalt you in due time. You let the Lord be the one to raise those. Because if God is the one lifting you up a platform, then man cannot tear you down. But if you just manipulate a person through charisma and they lift you up, they can take you down too. Right. And that's the truth. That's that's the instability or instability we see in often the church today is hasty decisions. I mean, years ago I was driving down the road and the Lord spoke to me and he said the most talented is not always supposed to be the leader. He said the one with the greatest character should be the one to lead. Amen. But in society today, it's the charismatics, it's the talented people that ultimately wound up rising. And that's part of their calling, but if they don't get the heart right, then they will wind up doing more destruction to the kingdom of God than they do good. Amen? And I think everybody in here, we're sick and tired of seeing leaders fall. We're sick and tired of seeing the church take hits. It hurts us all. We would rather see things rather let it go slowly, God, and you promote me in the right time so that everything is right. Amen? what happens when you lay hands on people in this call it ordination call it commissioning as acts 13 talks about when paul and barnabas or saul at the time it uses saul and barnabas had traveled for many years doing great work in the ministry establishing churches seeing miracles that at that time in acts 13 it says specifically that the leadership gathered together i believe it was in antioch and prayed and the holy spirit spoke to them Separate out for me, Saul and Barnabas, lay hands upon them, for I'm calling them as apostles today. Obviously, they had been faithful and done it, and at this time they were transitioned out. Hands were laid upon them. Something must have happened supernaturally because though Saul had already done great things, after this, the word even shifts of its direction. Following Paul, it changed to Saul. And, and, or it changed from Saul to Paul. His whole identity began to change and the authority that he has written in all the new covenant the New Testament letters comes upon him in this hour as God signifies his commissioning for an office in that generation. Amen. And that's found in Acts chapter 6: 2, where these men were full of the Holy Spirit, full of power, but the hands were laid upon them to commission to them, To help build the church when everything was growing. And the Bible says plainly that after that, the church continued to multiply and increase. I'll give you an example. My wife and I, my wife was raised in ministry, obviously. I was raised on a dairy farm, obviously. And so, people were like, how's that obvious? I don't know. Work with me, people. But uh, I was raised on a dairy farm, never knew anything about ministry. It wasn't, like a, it wasn't like a plan of my life or anything like that. I radically meet the Lord. I fall in love with Jesus. I let myself be stretched to the outer limits when I become a soul winner because that was like the most terrifying thing to me. Like, you, 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 you want me to go up to who? You know? And I broke that off and just, just kept pursuing the Lord, kept crying out to God to purify my life, everything like that, and then began to obey Day by day, everything the Lord spoke to me, and the Lord spoke to me upon graduation of Bible school. One day you'll preach at this church, and I shared that this week in in Tampa, that I was like at the time, I'll never have the opportunity, I'm not like a preacher, I haven't been highlighted as a preacher, and not that the leadership there got it wrong, they got it right. I wasn't ready at the time, amen. And so ultimately, you follow the leading of the Lord, and then you find yourself in those divine moments standing there. I'm painting a picture because I want to show you something. So then we stand there one day, we preach, the Lord takes us out. I answer the call of God to go full-time in the ministry. I'm running across America. In 2012, we launched on a Mother's Day with hardly anybody in the service. My wife and I are in dispute about the number, but let's go with her number, and that would be seven. Amen. Because she's right, and I'm happy. Wisdom. Amen. (laughs) And so we launch 2012. We're traveling along. And to put just to to put it in perspective, for me to have anywhere to go to preach, I had to call 50 churches every single Monday and ask them, would you, you know, but well, not ask them, basically almost like a sales pitch. I am God's man of faith and power. I am the greatest guy that will ever come to you. I mean, it felt so bad, you know, but I was like, I have to go, I have to have a door open somewhere. So I'm like kicking on every door, you know, and finally someone would say, yes, you don't know him at all. You show up in the weirdest places and you're like, I wish I wasn't here, but that's how that's how I started. And that went from May 2012 all the way up until November or sorry, October 2012, we were literally just plowing away plowing away, following what I felt the Lord say, you know, go out, stir people, bring them into revival. And then in October, that was October ministers and leaders conference at Revival Ministries International. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, that's that, that conference called us out. Well, with everybody else and commissioned us that day by ordaining us for the working of the ministry. Now, I had never had that happen in my life. I love God, I was in Bible school, I'm running my race, I'm doing everything. I'm even in ministry, doing everything I can right now. But then when he called us out in October, October 2012, you go from October 2012, when a man of God that the Lord has raised up as an apostle in this generation, in this hour, laid hands upon us to commission us for the full-time ministry, from October to just January, we find ourselves in Alaska, and now I'm not calling 50 churches. Now doors are blowing wide open before us. We wound up going into revivals that when we used to go and preach our heart out for two, three days. Now it was Sunday to Friday. Crowds were growing. I mean, offerings were there. It was like the total multiplication. And I remember standing in one of the first cities, Juneau, Alaska. And when I took the stage, now listen, I don't play worship. You know what I'm saying? I have no, I I can't play an instrument. I can't sing very well. I do it all the time, but I I don't do it. It's not like it's pleasant to people. (laughs) And so I'm there. And I remember walking to the stage and I stepped on the stage. And when I stepped on the stage, like the power of God, just, I felt it almost like someone turned up the volume. And I sat there and I grabbed the pulpit and I was like, Jesus, what's happening? Yeah. And, and it took me back because I used to be in Bible college and I would press in and praise and worship. I mean, jump up and down, dance every few times I was let out of the, the dark back cage because I used to be the guy in the dark back room mixing, you know, the audio. So whenever I was actually let into a public crowd, I would worship intensely. Amen. And so, but I remember I would be praising the Lord my, my hand. My hands raised, my eyes closed, and I would feel a presence. And I would, I would know, Pastor Rodney has just walked onto the platform. And I would open my eyes, and there he was. Because it's like the presence of God was on him in such a way that just him standing there would amplify those that are anointed for work ministry, those that are anointed in praise and worship. It would go to another level because ultimately God is saying, this is the person that I have established as the head of this house. Are you with me? You're not being weirded out by this, are you? No. It's biblical. It's the church. It's the culture of honor. Yes. And you would sit there and you could feel a shift. Well, I stand there. I can't play an instrument. I don't even know what... They, they're always up there like... I'm like, what's up? What are we doing? Crypt signs? <laughs> they're all signifying. All I did was stand there and everything went to another level. And I can testify, not, not, it's not you. It's, it's the presence of the Lord, and it's that God has to choose you, and when God chooses you, the only way God chooses you is if your heart's right with God, amen, and He takes you through that process. Now, there are people that go there because they're charismatic and they can make it on their own, but there's a difference that takes place to a humble heart that allows God to be the one that you've got to take me there, God, because my ambition is not going to be what drives me forward. And it amplifies that which you do. After that day, it was like, and I remember that day I said, what is this, Lord? And the Lord even said, this is a glimpse of what I will have you walk in in the future, but you won't have it all the time. And so I remember thinking, what is that, God? I want it all the time. You know, I want it all the time. You know, Like, I want every pulpit I stand in to feel the presence of the Lord because when you're there, it's a lot easier. (laughs) Amen. When God is there, you're like, Jesus, yeah, people are healed. When the Lord's not there and you're just plowing with the word, you're like sweating. Jesus, break through every stony heart. You on the third row, stop looking at me that way. I command you, be free in Jesus' name. When I first started, the ministry, people would stand up and flip me off. People are like, ministry's great. It's not always great. Why me? I'm such a nice guy. Why would you flip me off? Devil. That's that spirit of the middle finger right there. (laughs) All the studies of demonic. I've not seen anybody come out with that one yet. Amen. (laughs) But scripturally, there is an application for the laying on of hands where God uses it as a form or supernatural way to impart into a person a gifting. Paul reminded Timothy of this when he was commissioned to be a pastor in Ephesus, writing to him twice, Timothy, let me remind you of the gift that is in you through the laying on of hands of the elders. What was he talking about? He was talking about the commissioning upon Timothy's life to stand as the leader of the church of Ephesus, despite his youth, despite the problems he was facing, and encourage himself in the Lord that if God establishes it, you can stand against anything that comes down the path. Amen. That is what God uses laying on of hands on in some applications. It's a holy thing. And so my encouragement to everybody in here, if you have a desire for ministry, you keep your heart right, you love God, you serve with all of your heart, and the Lord will be the one to exalt you in due season. Amen. Amen. If you have no desire to be in the ministry, don't even worry about this application. You know what I'm saying? Like, do what you're doing. But there's other ways. It's not like God only commissions people to, in the five-fold ministry god commissions people as leaders in society you're talking about government leaders you're talking about well educators you're talking about business people that there's an anointing there's a commissioning that can come from the lord to stand in certain areas like that and when you have that backing there's a supernatural essence to your life that you can call it favor you can call it the anointing but ultimately it is god in you helping things come to pass as they need to come to pass and why does God entrust that to you? He entrusted to a person that has fully yielded to God's plan. That's why it's so trustworthy. When you see the anointing upon a person's life, I've seen time and time again where people confuse talent with anointing. And they say, I don't care if there's an anointing on them. You still got to, if the anointing of God is really there, that means that they have gone through an inspection from God. God will know more than you will ever pick up in 100 years of study in their life. Or a credit check or anything like that. And how many people do realize God uses flawed people? Hallelujah. Amen. We all have hope someone one day in the sweet by and by the Lord will use me because he uses flawed people. It's not that God only uses perfection. It's that God can see into the depths of the heart of man what you can't see. And so if God looks into a person's heart and says, I'm putting my anointing upon them for this generation, you as a believer, whether you have a title higher than them or not, have got to grow in the culture of honor that the kingdom of heaven is built upon. I will honor what the Lord honors. If God is in this place, I will honor this place. That's why you see me oftentimes. There's so many people loose-lipped in the body of Christ, always attacking everybody else. I have learned I don't do that because I do not want to touch the Lord's anointed. And God is using people in different capacities. So it's not my job to tell the Lord who he can and cannot use or to pick straws. Um, This person said such and such. I've done many dumb things and still the Lord is with me. Come on. I've had times I missed it and this still the Lord is gracious to be there with me? Come on. He's, he's a great God. Trust the Lord. But one of the biblical applications when we talk of elementary principles is the establishment of an order in the church. God establishes order. Thank God that God establishes order. Thank the Lord that He actually cares about getting the word out there. Thank the Lord that He get, puts people through a process to, 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 to test what's in them. Before raising them up, if you if you are in a place where the presence of God is saturating the house, then you know that the Lord has gone through the house and He has been welcomed. That's an indication that God is well pleased. Everywhere you see the Spirit depart, it is an indication that there was disobedience in the house. I'm just saying that I'm not trying to draw any you know red flags, but I'm just telling you, if you if you people say this day and age they go to a place. There's no presence of the Lord, but we're going to break it through. You can't break it through. It starts with the people that God has there and, or, or that, are, that are at the start themselves, at the head. And if they're not yielded to God, God will not break past them to break into the place. You've got to find a place where God has appointed the right leadership. Is this good? Amen. I know it's weird when you preach this as the leader of the church, but ultimately it's the word of God. So I'm just telling you like it is. God uses this to establish stuff. Every time we've had a birthday for the last three years, we've used it as an opportunity that here at the river, we actually commission people for the ministry. So we lay hands on them in this capacity where we pray over them and speak over them these things that the Lord, we recognize the call of God on their lives. We lay hands on them to ordain them for the work of the ministry in this hour. We've done it for the last three years, I believe, and commissioned multiple people because we believe in callings here. We believe in the kingdom of God advancing. We believe in multiplication. We believe that this church is not just going to be a church that influences Claremont, but by raising people up and sending people out, we will begin to influence our entire generation. If you believe that, say amen. amen. So one of the applications of the laying on of hands is the ordination or the establishment of leadership. Amen. Another one is healing, found in the Bible, Mark 16, 17 through 18. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Amen. This scripture is really encouraging me today because I messaged someone for super bowl i'm gonna have a root beer float so i thank god that drinking anything deadly will not hurt me today oh my word. i will i will still be blessed of the lord at the end of the day even with a sugar high come on somebody Now they will lay hands on the sick and what will happen they will lay hands on the sick and what will happen third time they will lay hands on the sick and what will happen I'm starting to feel it now, especially from Bobby. He was really grabbing it. I think if you're sick, you should run up to Bobby, and he will lay hands on you, and you will recover. Come on. It's like, it's like a Puerto Rican grandmother. You listen here. You will, you will recover. Okay, okay, I'm recovering right now. Shaking this coronavirus off. No more, no. all right Matthew 8 2 through 3 behold a leper came and worshipped him saying Lord if you're willing you can make me clean Jesus put out his hand say put out his hand hand. and touched him shout touched him said I am willing be cleansed and immediately his leprosy was cleansed so we read through the ministry of Jesus time and time again where people would come to the Lord for healing and through the laying on of hands people would be healed Through the ministry of Jesus. Jesus himself said, greater works than me you shall do. Come on. And he commissioned the church right before he left planet earth. You shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. If you believe that, shout amen this morning. It's so important to stir that up in this church because people wind up letting this be something that is only held by the five-fold ministry. God did not say those that are in the five-fold ministry will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said that believers will lay hands on the sick and believers will see people recover. And we want that in this church. We want If you come in sick, we want eight people lined up out there laying hands on you so before you even get through the door, you're already made well. Who believes that the Lord can do it? Now watch this. What What was this even about? Leprosy is really contagious ultimately. If you touch a leper, you could get leprosy. So Jesus was establishing even the authority over sickness that even that which is contagious, that if you in faith step out and grab the contagious thing and say be made well, that thing will be made well because the authority is in the kingdom of God. We have authority over unclean things. If you believe it, say amen. There's power in the church of Jesus Christ. All you got to do is stir within you the the revelation that if if I do this, number one, why do we lay hands on the sick? We do it because Christ did it. The Bible says, be ye imitators of God. If God did it, I'm going to do it. If, if Jesus had to get filled with the Holy Ghost before he went in the ministry, I'm going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. If Jesus laid hands on the sick and they recovered, I'm going to lay hands on the sick and they recovered. If Jesus ate bread, by God, I don't care if you tell me to be gluten free, I'm going to eat my bread in Jesus' name. It's the body of Christ. Just make it communion every time. trying to establish my authority here. Amen. Get some gluten back in the house. What is gluten? It's the part that tastes good. I promise you, you remove it. It is always not. You're like, how is it? It's gluten free. There's a little bit of tapioca in there, a little bit of ground corn crust, a little bit of like, I don't even know what we're eating right now. Why do gluten-free cakes taste a lot like sweet sand? That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> now, if Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, I'm going to go to church on, on Sunday. Whatever Jesus did is what I want to model my life after. Because I, 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 I venture to say he was the perfect man. Amen. He was perfect in every way. So if he did it, I want to do it too. I want to be like my big bro Jesus. I want to model myself after him. So one of the reasons why we lay hands on the sick is the simplicity of we are being like Christ. Christ did it. I'm going to do it. Now the reason is that he told us to do it. So now I'm obeying God. If he told you to go and, you know, do seven backflips in the parking lot and you would be a millionaire, who's going to go do seven backflips in the parking lot? Half of us. Or not even half. I'm going to try. I'm not going to succeed unless the Lord helps me. If you, if you see me after service holding my back in the parking lot, throw money on me because it was obvious that I was pressing in for it. Amen. And then lay hands on me that I might be made well. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Jesus did it. Number two, one, or number three, another reason why we lay hands on the sick. The Bible clearly says that if two or more on earth agree on anything, then God will do it for them. Amen. Amen. And so it takes agreement to lay hands on the sick. It takes two parties involved to say, we're going to believe for something to happen right now. I'm going to believe that the Lord flows through me. You're going to believe that the Lord will flow into you. And we're going to believe for a supernatural miracle right now. Are you in agreement? Absolutely. Amen. Who in here has ever watched countless videos of all the old healing evangelists? How they would even have dialogue ahead of time. Do you believe that the Lord will heal you right now? Yes, Yes, I believe. All right, then I am going to lay hands on you and you're going to get made well. Yes. Yes, I believe. And then they would lay hands on them. Bones would grow. Bodies would be healed. Because it gives you an opportunity for two people to agree that God is about to do something supernatural. We're establishing ahead of time before it happens. This is not man that does this thing. This is God that does this thing. We agree He is able. We agree His Word is truth. We believe that God will do what He says He will do. And it's about to happen right now. And then boom, God does it. Who gets the glory when it's done right? Christ gets the glory every time He gets the glory. Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. It's a trans, It's a place to come in agreement. Well, I've I've told this testimony many times, but it, the first miracles I saw was when I was an armor bearer, to an RMI. I was asked to pray, You know, follow the, the man of God outside. I'm carrying his Bible. I'm opening the door. He gets a phone call. He can't go pray for the sick. He has to go check on his wife. I'm now first year Bible school student. Ushered up. I have to pray for the sick. There's a line of like ten people. First guy is blind. And his eye, I think it was his, what is that? Left eye. Left eye! <laughs> Don't judge me, you all do it too. <laughs> left. <laughs> <laughs> and he's looking at me, blind in his left eye, conceit in his right eye, and there's a line of people, and I'm a first year Bible school student. It's obvious that he's blind because it's milky white, something happened to the eye, but I was terrified. Because I had never prayed for really for anybody, much less a blind eye. So I said to the guy, what seems to be the problem? <laughs> I was actually, I was hoping it was like a headache or something like, you know what I'm saying? Like we've all been in the healing meetings where it's like this person came in with a sore thumb. But God does genuine miracles. And so he, he responded to me, true story. He goes, what are you, blind? I was like, no, no, I'm not, how's your back, how's your head, foot okay, anything, I remember covering his his thumb with my, or his eye with my thumb because I didn't want to look at it. After deciding that spitting on him was a bad idea, but I did cross my mind because I'm like, Jesus spat on him. But if you're going to lay, then maybe just go lay hands on this one. I laid hands and I prayed a simple prayer and I remember removing it and I watched, it was like a vacuum, pulled the milkiness out and the guy was healed right there. Supernatural. And I said all that to say this, I remember Right before I did it, I was like, sir, I mean, do you believe that God can heal you? And this guy was fully persuaded. I will not forget that about this guy. He was like, absolutely. The mo- You just pray. I'm going to be made well. I just prayed. Two or more came in agreement and it was done. Amen. There's something powerful in the church when people come in agreement. There's even a story, if you follow Kenneth Hagin, where he saw many miracles. I remember one where he distinctly said he was going through the line and the person was in a, I think she was in a wheelchair, came forward and asked for healing. And he said, ma'am, I just got to be honest with you. I don't have the faith right now to, to see you come out of that wheelchair. He was tired. And she said, you just pray. I have the faith. And he said, all right. I mean, he heard it in her voice, much like, because in the Bible, it's not the only way to get someone healed is to lay hands on them. You can read in the Bible where Paul looked at a man and perceived in the crowd, this man had faith to be healed, so he spoke it out, and the man jumped up supernaturally healed. So there's just the faith aspect of it. But it's an application because that's the the fourth point. Laying hands on someone is a point of contact for faith to be activated. So we need that. Come on, just as water baptism is a point of contact to say, man, the old man is dead and gone. That's why some of you raise your hand that you've been baptized seven times. Cause you just kept going back, and you're like, "I need to die again. I need to die again." I mean, some of you got more lives than cats coming here. <laughs> going back under, Pastor. Amen. Don't let it stick this time. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, stop kicking. Really die. And then when we call you back, maybe you'll have the revelation. Amen. <laughs> That's the point of contact. Same with that. So then Kenneth Hagan touched the lady in the wheelchair. She had faith. She jumped up and she ran around the place. Totally healed by the power of God. It's a point of contact. Thank God for the simplicity and the practicality of the kingdom of God. It's practical. I'm there. You're there. We believe he can do it. Let's pray and watch something happen. Amen. So the laying on of hands. It has multiple applications, just as there's multiple baptisms. The laying on of hands throughout Scripture has multiple applications to our life. It's not like God is cookie cutter and this is the one thing that happens. We can lay hands on the sick and we can see them recover. Who in here can testify? You have laid hands on sick people and you have seen them recover. Raise your hand across the place. God is still in the business of doing miracles today. And so you've got a loved one that's sick. You've got someone going through it. Be bold. Lay hands on them, speak ahead of time what's going to happen, get them in agreement, and then pray and watch God do miraculous wonders. I believe that we are going to see an increase of miracle signs and wonders upon the bride in this hour, I promise you. Get ready, because it's about to amplify. We're living in the last days, and God's about to show forth His glory in this hour like never before. He's just looking for clean hands and pure hearts and people that are willing to be a part of what God tells them to, be, to do. And so, whatever the Lord says, be obedient to do it. Amen. Amen. Another aspect found in the Word of God concerning the laying on of hands is Holy Spirit in filling. Time and time throughout the Bible you can read how people laid hands on someone to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Once again, it's really the same principle. It's a person saying, I want to be touched by the Lord. I want to be filled with the Spirit and I agree that it's coming from Christ, and I agree to yield to this person that has been filled with the Holy Ghost and let that come upon me. But we can read in the Word of God where the simplicity of how is the Spirit of God given to another person, they would lay hands on them, and they would speak in new tongues, and they would be filled by the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 8, I read it in the first service. I won't read it in detail now, but ultimately it's the story of Simon the leper, or si- Simon the sorcerer, or Simon the sorcerer had... had, had and made people be in awe of the power that he carried in Samaria. And then Philip came, preached the power of God, preached Christ. People were healed. Miracles happened. But Philip never laid hands on anybody to receive the Holy Spirit. Peter and John came, being commissioned as apostles, and they laid hands on the people, and as many as they laid hands upon were, were, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Simon saw it and said, let me buy this gift. They said, you can't buy the things of God. Amen. The Lord is not for sale. He doesn't have a price tag. You can't barter with the kingdom of God. You just have to have clean hands and a pure heart and come with Him all that you are, and God will give it to you for free. As He told His apostles, freely you have received, therefore freely give. So one of the applications we find in the Word of God is that the Holy Spirit is given through the laying on of hands. Once again, I will say this. I think that the Lord can move how He wants to move, and I promise you there's been people in this room You were filled with the Holy Spirit and someone didn't lay hands on you. You just pressed in in a private place with the Lord and you got it from the Lord himself. Amen. But it doesn't negate the fact that throughout scripture, they would lay hands on people and they would receive the Holy Spirit. When Paul came, Acts 19, 12 people, he laid hands on them. They all received the Holy Spirit. Say all. And so that's the application in this church. We're a spirit-filled church. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You've never had that baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then all you got to do is come forward and say, we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The leadership of the church will lay hands on you. And guess what? You will be filled in Jesus' name. Amen. You don't have to walk backwards up a hill, barefoot in the snow to receive the reward from the Lord. You don't have to grovel before the feet of an apostle. You don't have to send a thousand dollar gift into a televangelist. You just have to humble yourself and say, you got it. I want it. Will he give it to me right now? And the Lord will give you that good gift and it will change your life. The simplicity of the the kingdom is amazing. God did not complicate things. Man complicates it, tries to find some major revelation in a minor thing somewhere to make it difficult, but it is not difficult to build the kingdom of God. Just takes a group of people sold out saying, I am not ashamed of what the Lord has done in my life. Are you ashamed if you're ashamed? I was going to say, say amen, but. I didn't want to trap some of you after it. I was like, I'm not going to trick you this morning. Then you'd feel bad and walk out of here full of shame, and I would feel bad. I'd have to lay hands on you in the parking lot to break that shame off. Fourth application of the laying on of hands. Jesus, Mark 10, 13 through 16. They brought little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, and he laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. Say blessed. Blessed. Now, blessing is not something that we just give when someone sneezes. The blessing of God, the Bible. You you should study this out. I mean, the blessing of God yes. means you're blessed in the city, you're blessed in the field, you're blessed everywhere you go, and you're coming and and you're going. Your household is blessed. Your children are blessed. The blessing of God, the Bible says that if God blesses it, no one can call it a curse. We have Christians lining up to go to conferences to find out how to break curses and break all these things. But meanwhile, what a useless time! You're going to try and figure out something that you have to do to get free of the enemy. Meanwhile, Christ already did everything to break it off of you. There's a blessing in the kingdom of God that is greater than any curse. If God blesses it, guess what? Every work of hell is broken off of it. It's not like God is like, oh, man, he really gave a big curse on you. Let me fast. Let me pray. Let me get Gabriel on this. We're going to bring up a heavenly concoction. I need to send you to seven different apostles, each one with a different emphasis until you get free. But that's what men do. Men do that and complicate it and try and create it in this rigmarole. Meanwhile, Christ said, "Men, suffer the little children. Come unto me. I'll lay hands on them and I will bless them. Amen. That's the application you see most in a Pentecostal church. That's where tons of people line up. Uh, you don't have to know them as a leader. It's not like you've got to know what's going on in their life. They may be up there because they need healing. They may be up there because they want the Holy Ghost. But nine out of ten times in this church, they're up there because they're pressing in for something from the Lord. And the blessing of God is peace. The blessing of God is joy. The blessing of God is like the presence of a supernatural refreshing to keep running strong. And so that's why we have this in the church today. So that you can be going through something and come and submit yourself in the house of God. And say pray for me this morning and the Lord will impart into you a supernatural strength to run strong. Amen. Amen. Who in here can testify? Man, just the laying on of hands changed your life. Time after time again, when I was in Bible school, it's not like they were calling me out to be, you know, a missionary. It's not like I would just go running forward for prayer. I would recognize that this person is used by the Lord. It's not like I would mean you know, I would tell the Lord, you know, whatever they have on their life, put it on my life in Jesus name. But all I could do is ask the Lord for that. But the application goes back to the, the culture of honor in the church to say, Lord, I recognize that there are people that you have raised up that have paid a price. That you, and, and I want the blessing of God upon my life. And I want to recognize that. And how many people in here has ever had times that you just really needed a touch from God too? Man, you go through it. You feel great. Then you just go through storm, storm, storm. And you're like, God, I just need a breakthrough in my life. I'm not looking for appointment as an apostle. I'm not necessarily sick in my body. I already got the Holy Ghost. So I can stir it up within me. But I recognize that you move through anointed men and women of God. And I'm going to get myself under the spout where the glory comes out. And i gonna receive something from heaven. Amen. And something breaks loose in you. It's the blessing of God. Jesus said, suffer the little kids. And he's saying a principle here that the kingdom of heaven Is built upon having the faith as a child. Right? What does your kid do when they're hurt? They come running. As soon as they stub their toe. You're on the other side of the house. But you hear dad. The whole like. They don't even breathe on the run to you. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) My toe. Or so-and-so said such-and-such okay because i have girls in the house you know what i'm saying so it's more it's more emotional damage i'm dealing with than physical damage it's not like they climbed up the house and fell off they're like she said that this pink is ugly oh my lord i bind that devil that pink is lovely i mean what do you And it's a kingdom principle to be like a child is what he's saying. A child runs to their father. They're not scared of their dad. They run to their dad saying, Lord, here I hear I'm coming after you. And it's like, well, what, what does your kid ever take note of the fact that they've asked for seven things that day? And then they're like, wisdom would say, I should give it a three day reprieve and then follow up with my father for my eighth request. No. And But in the body of Christ, we grow to this place with the Lord. Is it even okay for me to to ask the Lord for that? Is it even okay for me? The Bible says you can pray concerning anything. And so absolutely you can come. Have the faith of a child and say, Lord, every time I'm in your presence, things are going to get better in my life. Uh, Thank you, Lord. Every time, I remember years ago being in a service, and I was sitting with a person, and they told me that, that the Lord had told them, they had matured to a place that they no longer needed man to lay hands upon them. Because there was nothing that man could give them anymore. And it got in me. I was like, yeah, you're right. I mean, what am I always going forward? for? What am I like a junkie? So I'm like, I don't need any more hands laid upon me. Look at me. I float when I walk. I'm, I'm God's man of faith. and I'm like a first-year Bible school student. Like, like, I've arrived? Nobody's arrived. The moment you arrive, you're dead. Yeah, yeah. Amen? Yeah. So it's like, I've been, I've been in rooms with great, great men of God that publicly will come out like a lightning thunderbolt strikes the place with authority. And in the back rooms, they're like, lay hands on me. I feel like I'm going through, like, and I just need a touch from God right now. Why, why, why have they had the longevity of ministry? Because they have the faith of a child. Because they had, they know their job is go out there and bring the power of God. But they also know that the Lord will pour out back into them. And when they're going through, it, they're not the person to haul it up and be like, "Nah, I got this." They're the person to say, "Come on, lay hands on me. I need a fresh touch from fire, of of the fire of God, and I'm going to go out there." And I've seen it time and time again here. In this church, I've had pastors of the local place come up in here and say, I watch your services. You're on fire. You're fired up. I've lost that fire. Lay hands on me. I need the fire of God. I lay hands on them, then they go out and they're fired up again. Amen. Well, they're, they're way my senior. They're beyond me in years. If you look at the application, I would be the one to go to them. And say, pray for me. And I do oftentimes say that. Anytime I'm around a a man of God and I get the opportunity, I'm always like, would you pray for me? Why? Because it's cool. (laughs) Just do it. I don't know. Something's going to happen. I feel it. I feel it in my bones. He's about to move, you know. (laughs) I do. Just do it. (laughs) like approach him like a ram. (laughs) lay hands on me be like my french bulldog he doesn't give you a choice to lay hands on him he comes up and he's like like i don't want to pet you right now oh you will you will pet me Leave me alone, I'm trying to drink my coffee. <laughs> but I've seen it and it's a, it's a kingdom principle to have the faith of a child. If I can get someone on the keys right now, we're gonna close out the service because I know that today is the day that the Lord has made. You're all, you're all wanting to go home to fast and pray this <laughs> evening. I mentioned Ram and it was over. Yeah. Everybody looked in that looking at their clocks. You know, I will say this just in passing. It's funny. <laughs> I think that we have pretty anointed worship here. Amen. Yeah. And I mean, I, oftentimes I press in. So one day, <laughs> lights are out. Everybody's worshiping. <laughs> there was a guy in here. His wife's up here like praising the Lord. He's got his phone on the ground with football playing, and he's. He's just seated in the chair like he's praying, but meanwhile, he's just watching the game on the ground here. Everybody's like, Jesus! He's like, Go, Bucks! Go, Bucks! Hallelujah, brother! Hallelujah. That ain't right. Never be that person. Amen. You got a problem. It wasn't me, no. Oh, was it you? Oh, was it you, Bobby? Do do we need need like a repentance here right now? It's all about the team. He's not saying I wouldn't do it if it was the right team. Yeah, we're going to have a counseling session. You guys can go ahead and go. This is going to be deep. I just felt to close out obviously when the Lord woke me this morning I, I do encourage you the application of the house of prayer I felt like the Lord was saying there's two ways to look at that it's, it's based in Isaiah when the Lord spoke about the house of prayer that Jesus began to quote in, in Matthew and if you look at the house of the Lord and just the, the church itself if we would be considered the house of the Lord as it applies to us today modern church to not be a place that, that manipulates or twists the things of God for personal gain. Not be a place that, that puts the emphasis on things rather than on His presence. Now, I just want to challenge the church today as we grow. I really want to encourage you and in speak into you how important it is that you come here with a heart after God. You know, we have moments when we're laying hands on people. And I know we all have to go. I know we all get hungry. I know all of that. But there are times that when the Lord is moving, it's not the time to get up and run out of the place. It's a time to recognize something holy is happening. You say, well, it's not me, but what if it was your niece that you brought that day? You would be there crying saying, God, touch him. You've been interceding for him. And that's what happens in moments when the Lord is allowed to move. He, he moves in, in holy, deep ways. And what we do as a church matters in that moment. That we be a house that recognizes and honors the presence of the Lord in those times. We're not just here for an hour and a half to get a get out of jail free card. I'm not worried about hell. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. But why I'm here, I'm bringing heaven here too. Amen. That's my focus. The Lord is in me. I love it. And, and it blesses you. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in a service, I'm not the one conducting and I'm not the one praying, but I just sit there and just watch other people receive and, and the presence of God comes upon you and there's an anointing that fills the place. It's like an atmospheric change by God. And I want to encourage, you, if you sit in atmospheres like that, it's a transforming atmosphere. You, you're, you're, you're moving in business, God will give you strategies in business. He'll give you downloads. I knew a guy that got a download in a service like that, went on to be a multimillionaire, just as the Lord gave him a structure for business. He applied it. People that write songs, singers, you sit in the anointing, songs will come from heaven to you. So you're not sitting with a Webster's Dictionary trying to make up another way to sing the same song. But you have it from God. It's a holy thing. It's... It's the connectivity of the the Spirit with us. So if we're going to be a house of prayer, may we be a house that, that has the heart open for God to move. Amen? I mean, let me ask you. I mean, if the Lord just broke out, how many of us would stay for hours in the glory of God? Or do we all have to go and we have to run out the door because I'm hungry? You've been hungry every day of your life. You know what I'm saying? And some of us could stand to be hungry a little while longer. No offense, but we could. This is America. We're okay. But it's like, it's the emphasis. It's the focus. It's what you prioritize because the Lord said, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And his righteousness and and everything else you could spend your life trying to acquire will be freely given to you. If you get this one thing right, that that the number one goal as a child of God, is I want to be a part of what heaven is doing. Whether I get to be the one that is laying hands, whether I'm the one with hands laid upon me, or if I'm just the one there with an open heart saying, thank you for what you're doing, God. I recognize that that matters. As a preacher, you know how many times, and I love this church, I'm complimenting this church, because you guys are hungry for God. And you're open to the things of God. And we built this house on that. Or the Lord has built the house on that. that, This house on that. The presence of the Lord. But as a preacher, I've gone out. And you know how many times you are literally just plowing with the word of God. To break people free. Because they don't have that freedom. And people come into this church in worship. And say, man, their life was transformed just by sitting in worship. We're all a part of that. That's not just the worship team. That's you as a worshiper that makes that difference. So may we be a house of prayer. And the other application, if you apply that personally, and then we are closing, that you yourself is the temple of the Holy Spirit now. So if you're the house that God resides in, He has called you to be a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. Amen. So it's putting the emphasis in my own personal walk with the Lord, that I will be the person that stirs myself to action with God and keeps myself open to the things of the Lord and that puts a guard up in this world and and stands for righteousness and stays full of God's presence and recognizes that my spiritual temperature is my responsibility. Amen? Amen? People are like, man, I just, they backslide. Why do they backslide? Because you withdraw yourself from the presence. You say, well, how come no one helped me? You made the decision to remove yourself. And I've done that. I've walked that myself and allowed my temperature to get cold just because I wasn't around iron that sharpens iron. And I learned the mistake and realized, God, whatever I do in life, I have to surround myself and stay pushing and pressing into the things of God because I recognize that the pull of the world, its desire and the enemy's desire is to make you all lukewarm. And what did Jesus say about a lukewarm heart? He said, man, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I don't want Jesus spitting me out of his mouth. I want the Lord to say, well done. And so I recognize my spiritual temperature matters. And so how do I keep my spiritual temperature up? When there's a prayer line, I say yes to prayer. Amen. Amen. Give me a double dose of the Holy Ghost. And if you got triple, go ahead and throw that out there too. It's just the same as I order coffee. Amen. Give me a double dose, light on cream. Amen. So I like the Lord too. Double dose, light on the cream, just give me the heavy. And then the word, the preciousness of the word of God. And then this, the recognition to be open. Because the Lord was kind of talking to me the other day and, I, and it was popped in my spirit. That spiritual immaturity is not a lack of the word in you. Spiritual immaturity is a blindness to where you don't see how the word applies to you. And there's a lot of that going on in America today, not in this church, but in America today. So I just challenge you with that as we grow and this year we will double in Jesus name. But as we double, may the presence of God only intensify in this place, May the freedom of the Holy Spirit be here, and may God always be well pleased in what we do. Amen. Every head bowed this morning, every eye closed thanks for listening to the river claremont podcast if you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of jesus you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com your prayers and financial support are changing lives